A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to White Wine Questions on the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is something of an old friend, so I'm thrilled that we get to record today's show in person in the studio. She first blew us away with her voice on The X Factor when she was just 16, and despite leaving the competition before the finals, bagged a record deal pretty much overnight with Simon Cowell. And with good reason, because man, oh man, can she sing. Even Adele made a rare show on social media to lend her support, tweeting, she's incredible, I love her. That's my Adele impression. After leaving the show, life turned on its head and she was flying to LA to write with legendary songwriters like Babyface and One Republic's Ryan Tedder, returning home with huge hits like Ghost, which debuted at number one in the charts, as did her debut album, Chapter One. She did things like fly to New Zealand for a day to do a show. She appeared on Ellen, who loved her, raved about her, and released collaborations with Jack Jones and Sigala. But in the midst of all of that, she lost any sense of idea and identity as to who she was. She started suffering with severe anxiety, eventually stepping back to heal and repair, just as the world locked down. In fact, while she did so, she also fell in love with former Team GB swimmer Jack Burnell, who she met on a dating app, and now they're cohabiting. Mm-mm, fancy. She's ready to go again. She's back with a brand new album. It's called Everything I Didn't Say. So let's find out what she's been dying to talk about. It's Ella Henderson. Hello. As I live and breathe. How are you, darling? I'm very well, thank you. I feel like that was the best intro ever to like, I feel like I've just had a reminder of my last seven, eight years. It has been, I mean, as as decades go, it was pretty monumental. Yeah. You sit here today as a 26 year old, but you first stepped into the limelight as a 16 year old. It's mad, isn't it? When you think about it really, like 10 years ago, 16 years old. I think I don't realize how young I was until now yeah and yeah. It's, it's, it's just bizarre because I think everyone used to tell me that even you told me that when we first met yeah and I was that age but I think when you're in it you're like what like uh, and you just kind of go through the paces learn on the go and then now I'm sat here now and I'm just like all the experiences all the life experience all the ups all the downs the roller coaster of life like it's just what I've learned and lived through I think is just now I just see it as a huge, huge blessing into what I'm about to go and do right now. And I think for those of us that have known you for a long time, we could always see, for example, I mean, you're an incredible songwriter, Ella, and you don't just sing like, you know, (laughs) one of the great divas of all time, as endorsed by Adele. Did I mention that? (laughs) 
but you also write beautiful songs and you've written for other artists and we yeah. could see that if we could just help you to um to just have the the best life experience that all of that would would grow in your songwriting mm. and here we are 10 years on you've lived you've hurt you've loved you've laughed you've done all you've, you've that whole spectrum of life experience that you've collected over the last 10 yeah. years I now hear in what you're singing and putting back out there. How are you feeling? Because it's it's been a minute since since you you know I mean the last few or four three or four years you've been in a pair of jogging bottoms recording. Yeah, I have. <laughs> and uh, do you know what? It's been the most therapeutic process ever. I think there was a period of time where everything kind of obviously when Ghost happened. Obviously, I had some time between X Factor and, and coming back out with an album and everything. Um, when Ghost happened, that just kind of skyrocketed and nothing prepared me for that. I think nothing can. Um, that all of all of that happened and it was amazing. Huge like, hit, not just here, but in the States. I mean, yeah, all like over. literally that song took me like across the globe and to places that I never thought I'd visit in my lifetime, let alone it be because of something that I'd written and was like, you know, a passion of mine. So yeah, all of that was just so bizarre. And, and I think... It, two or three years of that, I was just flying here, there, everywhere, promoting, touring, on stage. And then eventually you fly back, you get back to London. And I sat like in my flat in London that didn't even have like a proper sofa at the time because I was never there. And I just realized like, I don't really know what to write about then for album two because I've got nothing to write about. Like there's nothing real I can write about. No one's going to relate to what I've just done. And you know, yeah. at the age of 20, 19, 20, like it's not relatable at all. So I think that was the first instance where I knew like I need to take a little bit of time now for me and take a little bit of a step back. I mean, I was so grateful for everything that had happened, but I think, um, you know, things like where all my friends were, they were all at uni. I'd miss like the gap of A-levels at school and that kind of like end of year college time. And it's such like a, a pinnacle age for you to like grow. That transition of being a teenager into like a young of woman course. is like terrifying anyway with the hormones yeah. <laughs> and wild. And then doing it in the public eye, it was just too much for me. I was like, I really, really need to figure out who I am. Um, yeah outside nothing to not not about what record am I what artist am I what do I look like what do I sound like like who am I what do I enjoy doing outside of music what's my hobbies what's my passions the answer was you had no time for hobbies yeah and for example while all your friends were learning to drive you had a driver I mean, yeah. that, those are the differences, No, exactly. Right? That's just weird. And it's true. I didn't have a driver's license. And I, want, I wanted to do driving lessons. And I can remember even being like, I really want to learn how to drive. But we didn't even have the time to schedule it in at one point. And mm. I was like, this is so annoying. Because when I came home to visit my family and we live like in the sticks of nowhere up north, you have to get everywhere by a car. Mm. So I'd be like in my early 20s, like having to get lifts everywhere. I just <laughs> felt like a right idiot. It's <laughs> like, this is like debilitate, like everything that you know, I can do everything and I've got, I've, I've earned some good money, but I can't drive a car. Like it just, it was weird. Yeah. So it was time to plug back into being a person again and not just an artist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been 10 years since you stepped up from being a, a performing arts student. And yeah. you li I mean, you literally blew everyone away. And now with the second album, you're moving into a brand new chapter of, of, of your life. And I want to kind of talk through the milestone moments of this decade for you. Yep. What have been the standout, like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened moments. But also what have been the greatest challenges? I would say, I think one of the biggest moments I ever believed in myself was definitely that first audition on X Factor. And I know it sounds very cliche to say, but you've got to remember, I come from a very small town in Grimsby in Lincolnshire and things like that don't happen to girls like me. So for that to have happened, um, especially when I was singing my own song, I think it just completely threw me and took me back. And I always said, oh, this I'm never going to cry. This is what we must remind people of, right, is that most people would come on and, and sing, a, a, sing a cover. Yeah. You went on and performed an original piece. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the main thing that drew me towards auditioning for the show that year was the fact that they introduced that new rule. And it wasn't even to, looking back on it now, when I actually think about what drew me towards it, because I've been asked this question so many times now. And I think... I never was that girl or that kid that would sit on the sofa and watch the show and think as soon as I'm of age, I'm auditioning for it. Like I didn't have that kind of confidence, but I knew that I wanted to write songs for artists. And I loved like my icons are like Carol King, Ella Fitzgerald, Aretha Franklin, like proper empowering women that sit behind a piano, can sing the song, stand at the mic and tell you what it's about. And it's from a real life experience. So I heard that there was a new rule on the show that year. And I wanted to audition because I really wanted to, um, 
see if there was a producer or an agent anywhere behind the scenes that could kind of just give me a leg up or an intro to someone in the industry and help me or give me feedback. Because when you are living in Grimsby, you know, and access to any kind of label is, well, how do you how do you even do that? Yeah. Um, you know, Gary Barlow sat here on this stage a couple of, of weeks back talking about... <gasps> exi- <laughs> but talking about exactly that. And he's like, he used to travel down from Cheshire mm. with his with his you know, cassettes of his, his original, like he had a million love songs on this cassette that he'd written at the age of 15. And oh he would just gosh. sit in record company foyers, hoping that somebody from yeah. A&R would pass and he could at least put it in their hand and mm. sort of beg them to play it really. Because otherwise, how else, in, unless you know people, how do you get even Yeah, you have, you've got to kind of like try and create them opportunities yeah. for yourself. So the X Factor was a brilliant fast track for that. Yeah, and, no, and absolutely. Then, and I thought it was very astute actually of the of the show to introduce a songwriting element because you'd started to see some, certainly the moment they did that, James Arthur was in your year, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And so there was a handful artist, of us. Right? Yeah, artists, yeah. Not, not, not kind of competition It did winners. feel like a special year that year. You had like James and myself um, and we write, even Ryland from that year, like he is like been a lifelong friend and like my agony aunt throughout my whole career. So, and we've been there for each other through thick and thin. And I think it just did feel like a special year. And also I think nobody quite understands what it's like to be a part of that unless you were one of those contestants. Mm. Um, and in recent years, you know, the, the, show, the show waned in popularity, but when you guys were on it, and I know, cause I used to host the X Factor, it's intense. It is. It is, you know. We didn't have social media though. Yeah, it was we, didn't. we we had it, but it was like low level. Very low level. When Twitter. I when I look yeah, like you know, like getting a tweet like you just mentioned about Adele, like that's if you got a tweet from somebody, that would like whereas now it's like, you know, you get tags, comments, yeah. stories and, and, I it's, remember and you can Brian slide in the DMs of someone, yeah. like and if even it's, if they don't follow you, like that didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was kind of like the beginning of like this this new age and stuff. But I feel like that was like the last year where it felt a little bit more I don't know like you couldn't there wasn't you couldn't really see the the, the negative parts the trolling yeah the trolling side of it all although and I, think, I, th- I felt Ryland got some of that um because he became sort of a, probably one of the first iterations of a meme yeah. with the crying <laughs> with Nicole and then the papers you know which still had to, you know a lot of clout then I mean they still do now but amplified that and then yeah he, I mean for me, I'd, I'd been around the, in the first time around with things like pop stars with Darius, and I, I felt like he was being made a bit of a it turned into a bit of a joke. Yeah, and actually, oh gosh, he really do. is having the last laugh now. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, I think Ryland's, Ryland's done better off than me and James put together, so I'm buzzing <laughs> for him. So like, <laughs> he's had an incredible riding career and stuff. So um, no, I'm so really important friendships came out of that decade. Yeah. Then no, absolutely, and I think um, coming away from it as well. I think what that show did give me was like this real kind of sense of I almost trust it like this is like a boot camp of what's to come because there yeah. were parts of it that were really difficult, like being all of a sudden, like writing songs in my bedroom or writing songs at school um, and only my family and friends kind of known about it. So all of a sudden, like doing it on TV, cameras, mm. magazine shoots. Like I think I ended up being like the only girl left halfway through that competition. So I was constantly the one that was flung forward to do anything that was, you know, oh, this makeup thing wants to do this with you. And I and I'd, I had to do the whole lot. I had kind of no say in it, but I did enjoy it because I think there had to be a part of me that did, because I am the type of person where if I really hated something, you yes. would know and I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and my dad's always said that about me. He calls me the dominator. Like there's just this <laughs> part of me where it's like, no, I'm not doing it. It's not it. really the cutest family nickname I've no, ever heard. No, it's not. That and frog face, because I've got a massive mouth and I grew into my mouth as a kid. Um, I grew into my yeah, mouth. Yeah, I was born. My mum and dad say it's why I can sing. So I've just, I always had this huge mouth. It's big gob on me. No, I know, exactly. <laughs> and I've had to grow into it. Um, in talking about those those kind of key moments, Adele must have been one of them. Yeah, for sure. Adele performing on the Ellen show. I think like one of the most special moments to me was probably when I would land in a new country that I'd never been to before and there would be like some fans at the airport, which I found like crazy and bizarre and getting into a cab putting the radio on and hearing my song played there for the first time that would always be like the most surreal yeah. thing so I just be like what how like I've never heard of this city yet they already know about me like it was just very bizarre to me 
um, and something that I just like, I never really got used to and still would never get used to. And just, you never really take them moments for granted because it is pinch me moments. It's like what you always dream of. And it was always happening to me like a lot sooner than I ever anticipated, you know? Almost before you were ready for it. Yeah, I mean, my goal, like you said about Gary being with the cassette tapes, begging for a record deal, like in my head, I was like, I want to get a record deal like by my mid 20s. So by now, I'm 26 now. I was like, by the time I'm 25, that's the goal. But 10 years earlier than that is when I signed across the dotted line. So it's actually really surreal that, you know, I almost feel like these last 10 years for me have been like the run up to what's to maybe come now. Um, but I, what I love is the fact that you are with, so you're looked after by uh, one of the, I think one of the best managers in the business, a gentleman called Mark. I've known Mark for many years yeah. and I've worked with Mark for many years. He and his wife um, have, have managed, you know, incredible acts. Um, I met them when they were putting the sugar babes on their yes. feet. Mark has always had a view that you were a long-term artist. It wasn't yeah. about making the first three years really work for you after X Factor. It was always a much longer-term vision because yeah. he knows that the songwriting is there as well as this phenomenal voice. You, you've always had that support, which I think is yeah. really important. And also when you went to Mark, when things started to get difficult, he was yeah. the first person to say, down tools. Yeah. Chill. No, he was. And also Mark was the first person that I think I ever sat down with and listened to me, to what I actually, you know, what I wanted to achieve and he believed me. And having belief in this game is like a huge thing as well because you can believe in yourself so much, but you need the people that are going to jump in the car with you and you're going to drive it and they're going to come along on the ride with you. But, and um, back you, and back you. Yeah, when you no, make 100%. calls that are unpopular with the label or, you oh, know, gosh, I'm yeah. not going to wear that. And I'm not going to sing that. And I'm not going to say that. He is. He's that. like my... He's, he, sometimes we are each other's worst enemy, but for the best reasons. And then... But ha, ha, like the most of the time. And that's only because like I'm being really stubborn about something and he's trying to like help shape and change my career. Um, but most of the time, I just call him... He's like my biggest protector. Like he won't do anything that, you know... I always, he's like my second dad now. Like we've known each other for 10 I used to years. say to your mum... Don't worry, she's got Mark. No, because I your know. Mum he would is flat. Great. And I was like, honestly. And Mark is to this day, I sat in a room with Mark ten years ago and before I ever like took him on as my manager, um, he said, What do you want to achieve? Like, what's your biggest like where's the end goal with you? And I was like, Well, I don't know where the end goal is, but I know that it involves getting a Grammy one day. Like, that's happening. And it's it's got to happen. She said that at 16. Yeah. And I can remember like Mark, and Mark was like, All right, we're doing it. So me and Mark still have that goal now. Like, yes, it's been 10 years on, but you hear of artists doing 20, 30 years till they get to that moment where you stood up on that stage winning a Grammy. And um, that still is my goal and my, like my ambition and my drive. Like, although I've had a lot of success from a young age, like having the number one and the album and a lot of success here in the UK at a young age, like now I'm kind of like, okay, those are stepping stones. And I'm so grateful for like the achievements I've, I've had. And I sit here and say that now because a few years ago, I thought I was a failure. So it's really interesting. Like even when I hear myself saying it, it's taken me a while to get to a place to even say that because I've sat with therapists and all sorts to be proud of it. Because I, sh you know, my, even my mum like is like you should be proud. Like, but you should, Ella. And you know what? For all the extraordinary experiences, like your extraordinary success, it's still very lonely because it's not that you can sit down with your mates and discuss because they haven't experienced yeah. that. Yeah. So it, actually, it makes total sense to then. Sometimes for, the, for that to just come on top and for you to for break. Sure. And, you know, there's a beautiful thing in Japanese culture where, you know, like if a vase breaks, for example, they repair it with gold leaf so you can see Ooh. where the cracks are. And I think for a songwriter, that's probably the greatest analogy is that actually you, for, for having fallen on the floor and gone, I can't cope at the moment, that that will come back in your music. And Carol King and, and Ella Fitzgerald pain underpinned so much of what they wrote yeah. about and you hadn't had any as a 16 year old no i hadn't i think like life hadn't hit me not yet. that i'm saying it's great that you had a really difficult no, time with life... your mental health but you know what i'm saying <laughs> no for sure like, and adele's think... not known for her upbeat <laughs> no. cheery chit chat is she <laughs> no. in, in, in her songs you know no and i think i needed that i think i needed to just obviously it was like my ultimate decision to take a step back, but I did have the support network around me to, to do that as well. And it's the first time as well where I think I could just take a bit of time to be like, okay, well, aside from music, is, is this even what I want to carry on doing? Because I can stop if I want to, I can go on now to, if I want to like be just a songwriter, is that what would make me the happiest? And I had to dig deep to figure what those things were. There are songs sometimes that I write for other artists in the last like two years and I get 
this like really excited feeling like when I hear that song being on the radio and it's because and I think it's more of a thing of that you're you know they think that your song's good enough for them not just like it's not <laughs> something that I think is just good for me like that to me is like it feels better than me doing a song that I've written for myself sometimes who have you written for um I've written for Paloma Faith uh Kai Go um <laughs> A lot of DJ acts, KSI and Nathan Dore. A lot of dance songs I've written and a lot of songs that even end up being played when I'm like in a shop or in the radio and I'm like, I recognise it and I realise it's my song and I don't realise they're coming out and stuff. But I've done a lot of like, um, that was kind of stuff as well that I was doing when I knew I wanted to take a step back, but I still wanted to like, I couldn't not stop music and not write. Mm. So it's more a case of like being the voice on things or just... Yeah. doing things because that's what makes me happy well, then you put yourself into places where you felt safe which is good because you knew yeah. that you you were burning out mm -hmm. and the burnout did come the the song that propelled and changed everything for you was ghost and i remember when you were going off to write with ryan <laughs> tedder because there was this and it was really last minute i mean this guy cleared his schedule for you so yeah. ryan tedder is the lead singer of one republic but more importantly he's I mean, he is seriously one of the world's greatest songwriters. So to get time with him, you're, I mean, you're, you're talking about months, maybe even a year in advance of trying to book time in with him if he's interested in working yeah. with you. He cleared his deck for you. It was mad. And I you went, well, oh my no, God. No, I know. I know. And I, w I was 17 when I met him because I turned 18 when I was in. He invited me to finish the song goes. So we started it in London together mm -hmm. and we wrote the chorus really quickly. And that's all we had at first. And, and then, it was very churchy, the, the chorus. Yeah, it was. It was really gospel. He was like, I've got this idea of like gospel stuff and all of this. And I was like, and ghost itself, the whole metaphor of it came from, I was at a point where I think was nearly ready to like round up the album. And I was like, I just feel like I've got this extra bit to give, but, and everyone says about, you know, when it's your first single, but I haven't had that feeling yet. And it's, I can't eat, I can't sleep. I feel like, and then he was like, you feel haunted by it. And then it led to this whole thing. And that's where ghost stemmed from. Wow. Um, and then he flew me out to Denver um, to go finish it at his house. And I can remember it was on my 18th birthday. I was finishing the vocals for Ghosts and I was doing all the ad-libs part to the track. And I can remember like listening to it at the end of the day and going back to the hotel and flying home thinking like, whatever happens now, I know I've given like my sweat, blood and tears to this album. And I, I couldn't think of any other song that would represent me any more than this record. Um, so I knew I was mentally in that place, but to have it come out and it, to do what it did was like, it took me back like loads. Like I never, ever thought that. Cause you can have people that, you know, like blow wind up your ass and all that, but it's like, <laughs> I don't yeah. believe in all of that. Like I, I, I'm just, I'm very realistic about things. Um, I dream and I set goals and I'm passionate and I'm determined, I'm driven, but like I am a, a realist at the same time. So for that to happen was just very unreal to me. But, um, but major, I mean, and, and yeah, it was major. This, it made, it's the song that changed everything, but you got to a point, I, I know, where I think, were you in LA when it all, when you just unraveled? Yeah, I think, so I, after the whole campaign with my first album, I then decided to, we mutually parted ways, myself and Psycho, and I was with them so for like Psycho six, seven Simon years. Psycho is Simon Cowell's record label. Yes, yeah, uh, with the record label, and I was with them for six, seven years, which, you know, looking back on it now, I think I tortured myself too much thinking like, oh my God, like if I come out of this deal and we part ways, like I'm never going to sign again or this is never going to happen again. And I look at it now and I think of like my brothers, I'm the youngest of four and I look at my brothers and sisters and when I eventually went home up north and I sat down and had a cup of tea with my mum, she was like, do you know how many times your brothers and sisters have sat in, on the sofa opposite me and said, I'm changing jobs or I'm going to change career and stuff. She's like, you've decided to literally just part ways with a company in your, you know, in your industry after six, seven years. She was like, you've stood ground in, the, like you've done better than your brothers and sisters in a sense yeah. of like actually sticking to something in, in, in that thing. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I see that. Cause I felt guilty at first that I was like, is this the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? And it just felt right. I was ready for change. And um, I feel like everything that I kind of was there for in the beginning sense, like they understood me and the people that were there from the beginning weren't there anymore. So it's just, it was a different place. And, and I changed as well. That's a really well. important thing, right? The people that you start working with that get you, if they're no longer there and new people come in. You can't buy the, passion. The, the dynamic shifts, right? Yeah. And then they're going to want to bring their own people in. That's just life. But of course, the first time is always the hardest when you rip that plaster, that band-aid yeah. off and go, I've never oh, done anything like that. I'm, it's, you know, I'm moving, I'm moving on. Yeah. That contract, when I signed my first record deal, that was technically me signing up for my first job in effect because 
I've never even done a paper round. Like, and it sounds mad to say, and I think it sounds sometimes really stupid, but I hadn't. This was my first job. So for me, it was like a really big life-changing decision to make. So we decided to make that decision together. And I knew it was going to, that we decided that in the December and it was going to all happen in the new year. So in the new year, I'd planned to go away to Austria. And I went to this like health farm place, switched my phone off. I actually went with uh, my manager's wife, Deb. I took her yeah. with me. We went for two weeks and switched off. And I just needed the time as well to just kind of like figure out, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to just write? Do I want to be a singer still? And and I realized there and then that like performing, writing a song's one thing and the whole studio run of it, that's like, you know, I'm in my element there. But singing a so when you have a taste of singing a song that you've written and a crowd singing it back to you, nothing tops that adrenaline no chocolate bar no ice cream no sex no glass of wine yeah. nothing ever will top that feeling for me anymore like it's the ultimate high for you it is so I can't and when you've had a taste of it like you want to go again so I knew that's what I ultimately wanted but I knew I needed to take the right steps to get back mm. there and I didn't want to just quickly fall into a deal I didn't even think I'd get another record deal I was like maybe I'm going to do this independently this time maybe this is going to be a complete different but experience also in those six years that you've been with Psycho the role of the label has changed, had changed a lot. It's, it's changed even more yeah. since then. Um, and people are self-publishing and they are doing it themselves. So there's ult ultimately, there's not one tried and tested way of working. Yeah. There's lots of different avenues mm -hmm. that you as an artist can explore yeah. now. There were. And then obviously I sat down with my team and Mark and everything. And at this time as well, I think it wasn't until I actually stopped and had no pressure. Um, was I think when it maybe is when I had the first sense of like something bubbling away which I now know is was anxiety mm. um and I think it's maybe something that I carried with me from a young age but it's something I bottled up and maybe hid because we didn't really talk about it and mm. I also didn't want to sound like a crazy person I also didn't want to sound like I couldn't cope just because I'm young don't think I can't cope with it mm. and because I'm a woman I can't cope like I just used to think like maybe I'll start getting like shifted to the back of the list and stuff if I start to say how I actually felt. So it was actually the Rudimental Boys that I met in a studio um, in London. They were in a studio next door to me and they're incredible writers and DJs and you'll know a lot of their music and I'm sure people will, but um, they heard some of my music that day in the studio and they had no idea that I was even from, they just knew me from, from Ghost. They'd never seen me on X Factor. So I told them my whole story and that was it. I can remember we spent the day in the studio just watching all my auditions back and we was laughing and chatting about it all. And at the time they'd set up their um, own record label underneath Atlantic Records and they had Anne-Marie signed at the time. And um, that's when it all kind of started to fall into place, this and people started to become interested under the same roof of Atlantic and that it all came under the same family tree. And that for me, just, I naturally gravitated toward this, towards this place where all of a sudden I felt like, you know, my A&R Kev now is a guy where I feel like he just gets me, understands me musically. And you found your people. I did. I found my people again. Um, and even in the process of that, like I was terrified to get back up on stage again. Um, it took me to, I went on tour with Rudimental and I literally performed as one of their singers um, for like a couple of months. And it's the first time I've ever got up on stage in like, I think it was like two years. And I was terrified. And I can remember um, Leon in the band introduced me to come out and sing a song with them. And like the whole crowd were like, I could see them all like pointing being like, is that Ella? Like, and like people was tapping on to recognize me or some people didn't have a clue who I was. And I, I then realized like, oh, like there's no judging here. Like I can literally just be whatever I want to be. And this is a chance for me to just start again, almost. Reset. Yeah, it was a reset button. And so I'm so grateful for them boys because they really like helped me just see this freeing, uh, like openness to the side of the industry that I think I'd never felt before where mm. it was, I can just be anything I want to be. And I'm not saying anybody ever sat me down and said, you've got to be this. I think it's just maybe all lights camera action was on me from a young age that I felt like I couldn't make a mistake mm. or, or choose to maybe try something else because I didn't want to do it with the pressure that was on me. Yeah. Um, so that all started to happen. I signed the deal into my new album and, yeah, it was just a very random trip to LA that I took um, over like a Christmas period. There was a lot going on in my personal life as well with my family that I was that was in the like the back seats at the time. And um, I had my first panic attack in IKEA of all places, <laughs> which I think could probably cause a panic attack anyway. But in I LA, say, in IKEA in the one way system is enough to give me no, anxiety. I know. <laughs> and I'd never had one before. And I honestly, Kate, like I thought, like this is it. I'm going in IKEA, and you, it was, you were dying. Oh. Like I was like, 
when I've heard about symptoms of a heart attack and stuff, or people speak about it and you freeze up or, and your heart racing. And like, I was literally on the floor and Ikea had to organize an ambulance and I ended up somewhere in a hospital over there and sat, I woke up, all I remember is waking up with a doctor in America telling me, um, do I suffer with anxiety? Am I on any medication? And I was like, what? Like, no, like this, that's not me. Like I'm bubbly, I'm this person and I'm fine. Like I'm here in LA, life's good. I've just signed a new deal. And like, you know, it was like something I just couldn't believe. And I didn't believe it for ages. I think it took me eight to nine months until I eventually sat down with my management and made the decision to take a step back from everything. You fought it for a while. Yeah. I did. Because I think I tried some, to just carry on yeah. and let it be a thing that was happening in the background, but because you it perceive, would affect me so much. Because you perceive it as a potential weakness. And I think yeah. actually what we do is sometimes the mind can be much stronger than the body. So the mind is going, well, you're fine. You've got this. You are a bubbly person. You've just signed your record deal. You are fine. And your body <laughs> is going, no, I'm broken. Yeah. And I'm hurting. And that's how it, that's yeah. how it shows itself. And that's what happened to you in Ikea, mm. of all places. And yeah. it happened again and again and again. And you've had to really learn how to reset everything in your mind and your body yeah, in order to come back to where you are now. It's a hell of a journey, Ella. You've done so well to be sat <laughs> here today. But how did you... How did you repair your 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 broken vase of a, a mind and body? It I I I wouldn't even say I'm still repaired. I'm still on that journey now. Like mm. I'm I'm I mean, when you talk about from where I was to where I'm now, I've come such a long way. But it took a lot of being sitting down and being really honest with myself. Hard, which is really hard. Um, being honest with my family, with my team. And I think realizing that I'm not letting anyone down, like I think for ages I felt quite guilty, like, oh my God, but like everyone's wants to like, at the end of the day, yes, I'm I'm Ella, but there is Gabriella behind it all. That's my yes. birth name. <laughs> and uh, I can remember sitting down with Mark for the first time was like, how can Ella even like run a business when Gabriella like is literally screaming in the background for like, can we just stop and hit pause for a minute? And I wanted to hit pause initially just before the first lockdown and I sat in a room with management and I said, look, like we're gonna have to tell everybody, like I can't keep going. I just, I need to just like take a few months out and just like sort this out. I need to go to like therapy sessions. I'll do whatever it takes to just work on me. Like I'll come off social media. I just don't wanna, I just wanna find me again. And um, I went home back to my parents and uh, <laughs> two weeks later, Boris announced a national lockdown. <laughs> Joke aside, I know COVID and the whole pandemic and for so many people has been such a struggle in so many ways for like all different reasons. But for me personally, like it couldn't like for everyone to hit pause and realize how important that is in life. It couldn't have come at a better time in my life. Um, the last time I spent eight weeks with my mum and dad, I was 14 years old. Um, and I'm not saying I went back to being a 14 year old, but I went back to everything that grounded me again. Like, and it was the simple things. Like I would get up, I'd have porridge with my mum. I'd have a cup of tea with her. I'd sit outside the back door. We'd take the dogs for a walk, even if it's just round the garden. And I'd sit and talk to my mum and I'd, and I just felt like closer to everything that felt like home to me again. And I can't quite put my finger on what, what it was. You know, there was a lot of, I, I did take up meditation, yoga, um, and I'm not saying that I'm sitting in a bedroom going, oh, like I, I actually, breathing techniques, like I find- Which really help with anxiety. Oh, like incredible, like breathing's changed my life. Um, it therapy. really does. It calms and controls the heart and the palpitations in yeah. a way that nothing else can actually. No, it's, it's like bizarre. You can, you can do it with because medication. Because I didn't but... believe, I think for so, the thing that really, really like got me was I felt like I wasn't in control of the panic attacks ever. Mm. And, um, you know, when I sat down with someone for the first time and they really taught me how to breathe through it and stuff, they said, the next time it comes on, try it, even to the point where you think it's still not working. And it it took me to push through that barrier of, of like mm. three minutes of breathing until eventually my heart rate would come back down. I'd be like, oh, okay, like it does work. But you I don't believe it at first that it's going to. But once you've managed to find a way to get on top of it it no longer owns you you yeah. own it and that's a massive shift in the relationship you have with anxiety then isn't it yeah because you can start to boss it rather than it boss you and lifestyle I think I've never really turned to you know things like 
like, look, I like a glass of wine here or there, and but I've never really turned to drink or drugs for that kind of thing, but I didn't used to sleep. My sleep was horrendous. And that is like one of the key things. If mm. you if you look at anxiety, if, if I'm tired, hungry and tired, you're gonna, um, the chances are I'll probably have a bit of a wobble that day. So mm. like I need, and I've just learned so much more of what balance is and like, you know, my boundaries. I never had boundaries. I used to be this yes person. And I just used to go, yes, yes, yes to everything. And I used to do everything and do it to try and do it to my full, which actually when I look back probably wasn't even my full. Like it was probably like 70% because I wasn't, mm. I couldn't give you my full potential. Um, it wasn't there. No. Yeah. So then, so taking this time was really important for me. And naturally what happened was as well, I think that period as well, I was ready to, I was going to quit music like just before lockdown, I was ready to literally. That would have been such. <laughs> I a say shame. this, and it like it sounds so bad, but I was at the mindset of if every day I wake up is going to feel like this, this heaviness, yeah. then like why I'm not it. I'm not doing this job that's in that like it's just going to add to. So music for a while didn't feel like it always did until I think it was probably three months down the line of that lockdown where. And I'll, I remember the moment I went through to my mum and dad's living room and there's the upright old piano, which is so out of tune, but it's the piano I grew up on as a kid. And I, I was in my pajamas one morning. I think I'd gone in and just started playing and slowly I could hear my mum and dad's feet in the hallway. They're listening at the door and then eventually they came in and they both started crying and then I started crying because it was a big moment. We was just sat there like, you know, you've gone from wanting to quit like we've gone through all this and we've gone through this whole journey as well as a family in the background. And I just think for me to have done that for myself, because my mum and dad never wanted to push me back onto the piano because I think they always knew that was going to be the place I was going to probably find hope again. But it it came from me. And I think that's what was like this big vulnerable moment in 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 that living room. Um, and it was, that was literally the starting point of finishing the album that's that's now. And you can even hear that on the album. There's like this whole... I don't know whether I was li listening to too much Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac and too no many acoustic. Too much Stevie Nicks. Yeah, you really hear this like Nashville songwriter, acoustic led side of the album, which was all born out of the lockdown. It was literally like me. But you in have that country angst in you. you have I do. That, I love that, country that, music. You do. And I do. you dig really deep. And, and it sounds like that moment at the piano was a full stop on, on, the, on a chapter mm. that was very painful, but also that opened a sentence on a new beginning. Yeah, no, it really did. And I can remember sitting down being like, I wanted to immediately get on the phone with Mark and be like, let's let's get back on with this. Like, let's, let's pick up from where we left off. And I can remember the initial conversation and my dad even drove me back to London and I went and sat down at Mark's again and we sat in a living room and we said, let's do this. Like, it's gonna, it's gonna be baby steps, get me back into the swing of things and everything. And I think because everybody had this understanding as well of like how real you know, my mental health battles and struggles have been. And I think now because we're talking about it so much more, it's easier for people to understand. I think that helps as well, because before you would have felt that you were starting a conversation, not contributing to one that was already ongoing. And I do think if you haven't, you're bloody lucky, but I do think everyone's probably gone through it or is going through it and you might not even know it yet. You might not want to call it that or label it that. And we don't have to label it anything. I, it can I, just I, be, it can I be a, um, yeah, it can you be a feeling. It can. It is just a feeling sometimes. And those feelings grow and swell. My son has, you know, lessons at school about this. They are... The, the generations that are coming up behind us are so much better educated because of us, because mm. we started difficult conversations. You've done amazingly. I mean, listen, I'm not your mum, but I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I feel like your mum. Oh, no, thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My next question for you is, kind of picks up on something you've just said, actually. It's about saying yes. And actually, the importance of learning to say no. Mm-hmm. The yeses that you got on The X Factor changed your life. Yeah. You were a yes person yeah. from then on in terms of wanting to take every opportunity and not appearing to be anything other than open to it. Mm-hmm. Which kind of bit you on the ankles in the end, to some degree, because... You burn out, you overdo it, you yeah. overextend yourself. So what I want to know is not about the big yeses, but what have been the most important no's that you've learned to say? Do you know what? I have to say that it's taken a long time for me to start saying no to things. And I'm talking about not even like work-related things, like in my personal life mm-hmm. or whether it be in a love relationship, you know, like setting boundaries that just, you know, I now know where I stand and what I will accept and what I won't. But I think I used to sometimes let a guy walk all over me. Um, And now learning the power of no and learning that boundaries are there for a reason and you don't have to feel guilty for them. They're actually just there to set a precedent of this is my morals, this is where I align. If you align with me, great. If you don't, then you can piss off. That's how I see it now. And um, and it is a really powerful tool. I've only just started like abiding by it in the last couple of years since I've started like this self journey, I suppose. but it is really empowering because as much as I was saying yes to things, I wasn't doing myself any favors. Mm. I was probably just like doing stuff half-heartedly. And I'm not saying, look, I don't say no to everything because like, I can't be bothered. Like you've got to push through. You're going to be tired. You're going to be a bit stressed out at times and stuff. But and there was, listen, it's saying no those, to the right things. If something just really doesn't feel do, right, if yeah. something feels like it's like almost like rotten in your stomach and you're like, mm, I don't like this feeling, like say it, express it. That's fine. Everyone just has raise their own, it. Yeah. Right. You don't even have to go, no. It's no. just like, this, I'm not sure this feels quite right. I mean, listen, working in the industry that you do with the, with the pressures that you have, you are going to feel tired. You are going to have to crack on yeah. and push through sometimes. Those things still stand. But when it, it goes to that next level of like, this isn't right. Yeah. Have you now found the confidence to speak up? Yeah, no, I do. And, and I have. Like, there's definitely been moments even when I've gone to events or had like little wobbles in the car to a red carpet. And I'm thinking, but, you know, we just pull the car around. And until I'm ready, that's when I'll go. Like, it's not like, you've got to be there now. It's like, there's, there's always going to be things that'll happen where I didn't plan for them to happen. And I've got to accept that. And I used to try and fight my anxiety and fight all of this. And now I don't, I just surrender to it. And I'm like, okay, ride the wave of it. Cause I don't own it. Like the feeling of anxiety, it comes in waves. And when it does come on, I don't really have control of it, but I do have control of how I can allow it to affect me. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So now I just try and be as calm as I can about it. And instead of rising to the stress and getting everything to bottle up and I feel like everything's here and I'm choking, like, yeah, I just like that whole feeling. I try and like do the complete opposite. Also, the biggest thing ever is, and my fella is the best for this, is bringing me back to the present tense. Um, I'm such a worrier about what's lying ahead. Not just like next Tuesday. I think think about something of next year. Like, he's like, why are you even thinking about that? Your diary's got like eight things to get through today. Just get through today. And Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. It's good to just be reminded of that. Or even just get through the now, this present. And like having someone like that by my side has been really amazing as well. So he he was an important yes as opposed to an important no. He was an important yes. Did you swipe on him or did he swipe on you? Do you know what? I think we both did it around the same time because it was it, it's one of those apps where you don't actually, you just see if you connected or not. So I don't know who actually was the first one. So basically what happened was 
I'm single in lockdown and it takes, you know, I'm, I'm with my mum and dad for eight, nine weeks and it's getting quite like, you know, I'm, I'm not been able to have a drink with the girls or go out and meet anyone. And um, I'd come out of a relationship. So like, I just wanted to like, feel like, have a sense of confidence back yeah. and, you know, that didn't exist. So it was my mum and dad that pushed me to go on a date night. I was like, go on, like get chatting and stuff. Like, I, was, I was like, you deserve it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. My confidence is on the floor in that realm. Um, and then when I did, what I did really like about Jack was he was adamant about coming straight off the app and let's FaceTime and have a glass of wine on FaceTime. And we did. And we was on the phone from like 9 p.m. to like three in the morning. And that happened like night after night. And I don't think if there wasn't a lockdown, we probably would never have. I don't think we'd be together because no, because he's an athlete and he was training for the Olympics. And with what I do, I just know that our diaries just never would have aligned. Yeah. Like we're probably we've probably been on like three coffee dates or something, something crazy like that. What was it like when you actually met in real life for the first time after all these intense hours of FaceTiming and talking? Yeah. Do you know what? It was really strange, but it was I was nervous and excited because I felt like I really knew someone, but I hadn't physically been in a room with them. Mm. Um but it was weird. I realized that I'd fallen in love with somebody's mind and that was like really amazing. Important. Yeah, it's so important. You know, if I actually be realistic the fact now. The that you've go got an Olympic swimmer's body no. probably is uh, also quite helpful. It always, it always <laughs> helps. And we did say even before we physically met, we was like, do you know what? Even if this just turns out to be a friendship that like, I think we're just going to be really good friends out of it, even if that was so. But it didn't. It built from a friendship into more and more. And it took us a long time to get there to be to realize like, wow, like this is like something we've both never felt before. Um, and finding that in a lockdown, I don't know how I did find it from where I'd come from, like being where I was. And also, you know, I was very wary about even allowing somebody into my circle at this time of my life because I knew how important energy is right now in my life because 90% of the time it's all about taking care of myself right now so to add another person into mm -hmm. it sometimes can be a bit difficult um but meeting somebody that just gets it you know he's from the age of 10 dedicated his life to like sports and swimming and yeah, there's a lot so of he, he understood there. it and we come from the same hometown like Do you? yeah so he he was born in Scunthorpe I was born in Grimsby both his family all in Lincoln I'm Lincolnshire so literally when we go home to see the parents we drive past his mum and dad's door to get to my parents so like it was 45 minutes up further so it's mad like just so many things morally align and I, I think one thing that I'd never probably taken on before um and this is more in like relationships I've been in is I've never morally aligned with anyone I've been with before I think I've always mm. just probably been attracted to the physical and and thought I'll let that thing grow from there and you, you'll fall in love with them after. But this was just really different. It was more like, I don't know. I already feel like I can imagine us being like two old people sat on a bench sharing like a sandwich or something and just talking about life. Cause that's us anyway now. Like, and that's what we did during lockdown. We spoke just eight, like literally we could be on the phone for like eight. <laughs> like, I think one of our longest conversations was like nearly eight hours. Oh my God. Oh, that's a I full know. working day. No, I know. We was literally like, we was till the next morning and I can remember us being like, what are we doing? But like, it wasn't anything. And I tell you now, it was just like the most, If I wish I could have recorded it maybe because God knows what we were talking about, all sorts. But yeah, I felt like I knew everything about him and he knew oh. everything about me before you physically met, so. <laughs> and do you know what? You, it sounds like you came, you came into each other's lives, for you certainly, mm. at a really good time. You yeah. were just... You know, it, that full stop had been put in place. You're back on the piano. You're thinking about coming back to to work, to you as an artist. Yeah. And then, and then he swims along. I know, literally. And all at that time as well. Is it, bit, is it a bit hard going on holiday though when he gets in the pool and you're like, all right, sure. <laughs> we haven't on. been on holiday yet because of lockdown and COVID, but I'm literally like, well, I listen, need to get When my you go on holiday, back. let him do the pool at the Olympics, <laughs> right? And you can nail it on the karaoke. No, exa exactly. <laughs> I'll be on the drunken karaoke nights winning all the little prizes. <laughs> so for all the no's, actually, that was a really significant yes, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think... Some of the no's I've struggled with is when I'm thinking I'm making the right decision for myself and I'm not and people are like, no, but I think you've got to go through them and learn yeah. learn, and go through your own mistakes. Otherwise, you're never going to learn through life. Like any decision I've made that... A mistake is a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first time in my life where I feel like work, family, love life, that all the all the plates are back up spinning and no, nothing's wobbling and I'm not running around like the clown trying to catch one. Like it feels like... 
everything just feels like a bit of a calm, which I get worried to say because I'm like, there's a storm brewing or something <laughs> like that. But I, I don't know. Everything just feels good. And also everyone's really protective over, over me in my life, especially now and what we've gone through and what we've worked hard mm. to get back. So anyone coming into my circle gets like fully we we get fully vetted now um but including me I'm even like that I'm like so wary and so which I think it's a good thing and I think it's something that happens when you've gone through stuff because you know that there's a fragility to you <clears throat> yeah and and it's not a weakness it's just it, it's just what it is no. and, and while you're fragile and rebuilding you need to protect that so you can carry on growing yeah it's really important I think it's mad because I, I speak about like my vulnerability is like comes out in my music I use that as my therapy like so when I started playing the piano again and all these lyrics are coming out of me my songs and stuff and and then now I'm actually bringing the album out which says everything of all of that it's really weird because if you'd have said to me like two and a half years ago three years ago even could you ever see yourself doing this could you bring another album out I'd have said no really yeah so like to I don't know how I've like I do know how I've worked bloody hard in the sense of like in in my in myself you've worked on yourself on myself um to get to where I am now and to sit in this seat in front of you to even chat like this mm. like it's it's taken a like quite a you've long grown time. up so much Ella <laughs> you really have I'm so proud it of has you taken time but to think that now like that the music it, it's really weird because I listen to the album now and it does take you on a journey of. Mm. the last eight years of my life because I've kept songs on there that I even wrote when I just left Psycho um songs that I didn't want to get rid of songs that I knew were like my babies like that's when I left Psycho one of the main things was like as long as I can have the rights to my music that's all I'm bothered about I'll yeah. walk away in any way but with my music and um I'm excited for the fans to hear that as well because I feel like they'd probably deserve to hear what's been going on and there's there's certain ones that have grown up it with goes, me it goes back to what you said you you flew home as an 18 year old sat in your flat and realised I can't drive, I haven't got a telly, I don't know how to function as an 18-year-old, mm. and what the hell I am I I didn't know how rent worked either, like just yeah, everything. Yeah, you had nothing to write about. Now, eight years on, you've, life experience is, is, is what you've, mm -hmm. you've acquired. final question to you. It's about the name of the album, Everything I Didn't Say. So I want to know, very simply, when do you wish you'd spoken up? What do you wish you'd said? It's a hard question, Kate, because I've always been a gobby git. <laughs> you haven't, you haven't, though. I have, I have, yeah, like, you know, you know the real me, so you've known me. This is the thing. I've always been like this. This is, this has always been me. But I think it's having the confidence to actually realize that being that is okay and like I can be comfortably sit here and be me I think when I was younger I used to be terrified to do that yeah so, well you're looking left and right to see what everyone else is doing right yeah so probably speaking up in a way where I think maybe I just felt like I don't know like you know I used to do media training and and feel like I, I used to be scared of putting a foot wrong and feeling like I was going to say something wrong or you know is that is there the perfect answer for everything and realizing now that there just isn't that I feel more comfortable now the more honest I am the more blunt I am the more me I am the more comfortable I feel the more I feel like I'm not lying to myself I'm not lying to my fans I'm not lying to my family my friends my management like and I'm not hiding anything like even opening up about my anxiety and my mental health the fact that that's not a hidden agenda anymore it's made me feel so much stronger and comfortable it's freeing, isn't it? it is really freeing um and also i think you know so probably speaking up about that you've spoken about things that i know you were really uncomfortable with like um you started to challenge people that made you feel bad about yourself mm. photographers that took pictures of yep. you in your bikini on holiday and you would beat yourself up over that you hated yeah. it. You, know, you felt burnt with I embarrassment did. and then you said something really really clever you said instead of feeling shame for yourself you realized why aren't we shaming the person who hopped on a boat and photographed me a young girl with a long lens in a bikini and that's yeah exactly the right rate that's the, yeah. exactly the right lens to put on that situation yeah so you've learned to put your anger in the right place don't feel shame for yourself you're on holiday having a lovely time mm. you, and you are you know everybody has a beach body ella as long as you've got a, a body that can get you onto the beach, you therefore are the owner of a beach body. And anyone that makes you feel different doesn't deserve to have a space in your life. No, so absolutely. I loved reading that because I thought, I thought that was a real turning point for you in terms of 
putting the blame where it belongs and not at your feet. Yeah. No, that's very true. And I probably have done that again without realising as well. Mm. Um, and it even took me a long time to get through that and over that. And I think, because I'd never had bad press or like these moments where it like I had them wobbles. It, you just didn't want to be seen like that. And Ella, I don't yeah. know many women, there's loads of women on Instagram that pose in their bikinis or on TikTok and that's a choice, right? And great, that's their choice. Choice, yeah. If they are put, hitting the word post and they're publishing that for themselves, more power to you. But put it this way, right? If you weren't a celebrity and that guy wasn't a photographer or woman wasn't a photographer, if that was just... Joe Schmo taking pictures of you in effectively your underwear, mm -hmm. you would have every reason to call the police and they would arrest him because yeah. that, that is wrong. And so society deems that as wrong, except I also it's hate not when I you're also hate the mindset of, and you do come across people that say, like, yeah, but you signed up for it. I'm like, well, where do, where's the contract where I signed up for that? Because yeah. actually, if you if you know me and you go back to my teenage years, I actually like my dreams was to be a song, like again, like a Carol King. I want to write music and and that I didn't sign up to be a model and I didn't sign up to do that and I didn't sign up to prance around on a beach in a bikini like you just said. So that phrase does annoy me and that's probably like one thing where because it's I, not maybe fair. I wish I'd have yeah I wish I'd have probably spoken up a bit more at the time. But again, at the time I was afraid of speaking up about it more so then because I feel like it would have caused more attention around it. So now I feel like having thicker skin and coming out of it and learning from it, evolving from it actually it shaping me a bit more as a person as well like realizing you know it actually helped a lot with that in itself as much as I don't want to thank the photographer my body confidence in myself has come on so far since that happened because I had to dig deep in this part of me where it wasn't just about this because it never been about this with me anyway because I'm, I'm here for my voice and here for what I'm going to say and what I'm playing and stuff but like I don't know it's the first time where I'd ever like looked at myself in that way and when you start doing that, it's quite a dangerous territory to go. Um, and I never wanted to like fall into the trap of going down that route or anything where you, you know, you start to feel like you can't be who you want to be. Um, yeah. And that's what I'd want to say to anyone, especially any like girl that's dreaming of being a pop star or anything. Like there is no such thing as a pop star anymore. It's like you can be anything you want to be now. And yeah. boys. <laughs> um, it's not, there's no like mold that you've got to fit in. Just be you and like embrace it and be you 110. And I feel like that's what people want to see and they, they buy into because you're just one of them. And I think that's the biggest thing I've realized now is like most of my followers and fans, when I meet them, like they're like my friends, like I am one of them. There's no separation other than the fact that I've just had a lucky slot and chance in being given the opportunity of what I've been given. There's probably loads of singers out there that could go and do, you know, that can sing amazingly and haven't been given that opportunity. It's just like, I've got this, so I'm going to use it as the platform that I've got, use it wisely. I think that was also something that maybe brought me back as well when I was struggling with my mental health. I was like, even if I never touch music again, I'd want to set something up for people that struggle with what I've just gone through and what I'm going through because it's just, I don't know, it's such a powerful thing. And when you start to learn the tools that help you through life to get you on, on the right track again, you almost feel like you're unstoppable yeah and it is an it's amazing empowering. feeling and you want it is and i'm not like that all the time i have days where literally if you saw me you'd be like bloody hell <laughs> um and but i think no, the world's ended in all sorts but, but when like you find a way through it when you find solutions it, like it's like a, it's like a cure you know you want to share it yeah because you never want to see somebody have those experiences and, that, and feel that pain yeah because an, you know a panic attack is pain Mm -hmm. It is pain that is, is is really hard to describe unless you've had yeah. one yourself. I also think as well, um, panic attacks and anxiety is also for me now, I see it as a trigger for something needs to change. It's not always, um, ah, something's wrong, something's wrong. I actually think sometimes- It's a some, flag. Something, yeah, it's a red flag and I'm not listening. And yeah. when it sometimes happens now, if I actually take a step, step back it and I realize it's because you said yes to that, Ella, and really you wanted to say no. And I've, and it's things like that where, again, being more empowered with yourself, but you live and you learn. <laughs> well, you have lived and boy, oh boy, have you learned. And the new record is a testament to that. It's out now, it's available wherever you get your music and your downloads. Um, Ella, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed this. You have grown into the most incredible young lady. You really have. Aww, and I hope that you. that in no way sounds condescending because it's no, not No, not at all. But I met you as a 17-year-old. I'm talking to you as a 26-year-old woman today. 
crazy. <laughs> lovely to see you. <laughs> and you. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, and if you've enjoyed that and you want to hear more conversations with incredible female artists, then look no further. We have a back catalogue absolutely heaving with them from Skin, from Skunk and Nancy to Charlene Spiteri, Imelda May, uh, All Saints, Banana Rama, Danny Minogue, Lisa Stansfield, Sophie Ellis Baxter, and Ray. They're all in there. Uh, so go on, lend your ears for another hour and dive deep. As always, White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Ben Robbins for Yahoo UK. Editing is by Eleanor Humphreys, and our beats are from Andy Bell. You can also find his music with Oasis Ride and his brand new uh, solo album, Flicker, wherever you get your music. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, take care out there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.